name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Any happy returns? Today is the third week of the blessed month of Kiyak. And as we heard, the reading today was the visit of St. Mary to Elizabeth, her cousin. And it said that when Mary rose in those days, she went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. So as soon as she heard that her cousin Elizabeth was with a child, she went to her to serve her. And I think if we look at the life of St. Mary, we see many beautiful qualities. But among those are her response when God calls to her. Her response when God calls to her. Um, when initially the angel came and he told her that she's going to bear a child without the seed of man, her response to this calling was, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And today when she heard that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant, it says that she rose in haste and immediately went to serve her. And at the end, St. Elizabeth said something about St. Mary. She said, Blessed is she who believed. Blessed is St. Mary who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So she praised St. Mary for her faith, her belief. And because of these things, the promises would be fulfilled through her. And if we look at the the faith of St. Mary, we would say that her faith is alive. She was very sensitive to the movements of God in her life. As God moved towards her, she responded to Him. And when she moved towards God, God responded to her. And we see this in the um, wedding of Cana of Galilee. The, Lord, the Saint Mary is the one who approached the Lord. And then He responded to her. And He uh, made the wine, uh, transformed the water into wine. Um, these movements of God uh, impact impacted her faith, and they also displayed her faith to us. So I'll speak this morning briefly about these movements of faith in our life, these movements of faith. But before I do that, I want to mention a few words about faith itself. Faith, my beloved, as I have said many times, is not simply a mental activity. Faith, believing, is not something, oh, I believe something, I'm convinced of it. Oftentimes when you read about faith, especially in the New Testament, it's usually some kind of action that's tied to this faith. Because someone believed they were healed, uh, they were strengthened because of their faith, and so on. Usually there's something tied to this faith. It's not simply a mental activity. Um, And uh, the second thing is that faith is a way of life. It's a way of life. And if we can say maybe it's like fluid. It's very dynamic. You have your, your peaks and your troughs. You have moments of strength and moments of weakness. And we see this, for example, in the life of St. Peter, right? We see St. Peter in his life, you know, uh, the moments of strength as we, he confessed. He, you know, came out before the Lord and said, you are Christ, the Son of God, right? So moments of strength. And then we find also moments of strength when he preached the 3,000, or uh, preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people were converted to Christianity. But then we also see the weaknesses in his life when he denied that he even knew the Lord Christ and swore that he didn't even know Him. So we have these moments of peaks and troughs in our faith with God. And these are in response to the movements of God that He does with us. And another point is that the faith, or our faith is affected not only by our own experiences, but also the experiences of those around us and those we heard about. For example, if you look at somebody like St. Anthony, who we call the father of all the monks, 
Certainly his story and his life have impacted every monk who went to the desert and followed his footsteps. Not only that, it was one of the reasons why Saint um, uh, uh, Saint Augustine was converted to Christianity, or sorry, converted and changed his life and repented, was because of the story of uh, Saint um, Anthony. Also, we see in Scripture the friends of the paralytic, right? The, the four friends that carried the paralytic. It says that the Lord saw their faith, and then He healed them. So it was based on the faith of these four friends that Christ healed this man. Also, we see those who witness as martyrs in our church, right? They witnessed, they responded to God, and their faith impacted those who were around them. About the movements of faith, they're kind of like a dance that we have with God. One of us initiates, and the other kind of responds. And we kind of go in this movement of initiating and response like uh, like a dance. I'll give you an example from Scripture. If you remember Jacob, before he was going to meet his brother Esau, so at this point he is separated from his brother, and last he heard that his brother wanted to kill him, you know, and, you know, sometimes, you know, he spent a lot of time away from him, 20 plus years away from him. And then when it came time where he had to meet his brother, and he had a, a huge family by this time, he was terrified. His, his brother was known as a strong man, and he knows that he has an army, so he was terrified of him. So on his way to meet him, he sat down and he had uh, an interaction with God. And we see here that God saw the anxiety of Jacob and wanted to comfort and console him and to encourage him. So God saw his anxiety, and then Jacob left himself alone. And then we see God initiate with him, and he began to wrestle with God. Jacob began to wrestle with God. And it's important to note here that God is the one who initiated this wrestling. And we often think about it as a lesson we're struggling. Even the scripture describes it as such like a struggle. But it was more of a dance. It wasn't of anger. It wasn't of wrath. But it was more of like, I love you, don't leave me, kind of a wrestle. Um, this is why as they continued and then as the, the daybreak started to come or the, the sun started to rise, God said he had to go. And it says that as they were wrestling, Jacob prevailed. Jacob prevailed against God. So what did God have to do? He touched the socket of his hip to weaken him a little bit. To make it seem as if, you know, he's winning and he needed to, like, touch his socket to harm him in order to have the upper hand. Why? To give him this kind of encouragement. So we see this wrestling, and then we see um, that as he's about to prevail, he wants to leave, and he says, God says to him, let me go. So he pulls away. And then what does Jacob say? I will not let you go until you bless me. Right? So one's trying to leave, and the other's holding on to him and bringing him back, right? And then finally he blesses him and changes his name from Jacob to Israel. And then he goes and he faces his brother. Of course, at this point, he wrestled with God and to him it seemed like he prevailed. So he was able to go and meet his brother encouraged. So we see how this kind of this interaction, this movements of faith that happened in the life of Jacob strengthened his faith, comforted him, and gave him uh, encouragement to continue uh, to meet his brother. So these movements of faith in our life are orchestrated by the Holy Spirit for our engagement with God and our ultimate transformation into His image. 
So what are some of the examples? So what are some movements of faith in our life? Number one are the gifts that God has given us. In uh, the letter of St. James, he tells us, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So every good gift that God has given us, or every good gift that we have, is given to us by God. And we can look at it, and we might you know, take many things for granted. We take, for example, our hands for granted. Some may not have the hands that we have. The fact that we can wake up and bear weight on our feet. Some people don't have the strength in their feet to be able to stand up. Some people don't have clean air to breathe. But we have clean air and we have air conditioning and air purifiers and all of these things. Some don't have their health. Some don't have a roof over their heads. Some people don't have healthy relationships in their life. Their life is surrounded by unhealthy relationships. Some people don't have a church community. Some people don't have security for their life. Every day is a struggle. Am I going to live past this day or not? So we receive many gifts from God. And he asks that we, in return, give it to others. So he's giving us a gift as part of his, his, his initiation. What should we respond to this in return to this movement? He wants us to respond by giving it to others, by sharing it. And I'm not speaking here only about monetary things, but I'm speaking about gifts that we have in our character. If God has given you the gift to care for someone, and you don't care for someone, then he's initiating you, giving you this gift, and he wants you to use this gift and share it with your brother or your sister. That's why St. Peter tells us, as each one has received the gift, minister to one another as good stewards in the manifold grace of God. So it's like this movement. He initiates a gift to us and he expects us to respond to his movement. Another uh, movement of faith is invitations. And these are God's invitations to us uh, that he sends us. There are many types of invitations. For example, he might send us an invitation to serve. He wants us to serve in some capacity, whether in the church or outside of the church, whether to serve somebody who is in need. But there's an invitation to serve. When the Lord was passing by and he saw Matthew, the tax collector, he said, come and follow me, the invitation. And what did he do? He left all and he followed him. When God wanted to send someone, it says in Isaiah chapter 6, whom shall I send, said the Lord, and who will go for us? And how did Isaiah, uh, Isaiah respond? He says, here I am, send me. So there's an invitation and there is a response by us. And this is an invitation to serve. There's another invitation that happens to all of us almost every day. and This is the invitation to pray. The fact that we wake up every morning and we can breathe and we have our life is an invitation for us to pray. And if that's not enough, listen to what the in Scripture, in the book of Song of Songs, one of my favorite verses, we see how the uh, bridegroom is communicating with the bride, how Christ is com- communicating with you and I directly. And he says, let me see your face and let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. So every morning we wake up, he wants to see our face and hear our lovely voice. It's an invitation for prayer. But sometimes we wake up and we pay him no attention and we go about our day. And he's standing there knocking on the door of our heart wanting for us to commune with him. Another invitation is to come and partake in a meal with him. Those who are gathered here with us today accepted this invitation. 
this morning, maybe it's the 25th, some people might choose to stay at home, but all of you gathered here accepted the invitation to come and have this meal with the Lord. He said, today I'm going to offer you a heavenly meal that is unmatched on earth. And all of you that are here came and said, you know, I accept this invitation. Those who are streaming online, you know, if they're not sick or have an excuse, they chose not to. Or those who are not even streaming online, they chose not to. There's an invitation. And how do we respond to this invitation? How do we respond to this movement of faith in our life? Another movement are the trials and hardships that come upon us in this life. These movements of faith are often the most difficult. But I tell you, they produce the greatest and sometimes fastest results when we go through hardships. Many people who went through hardships, these are the ones whom their life changes drastically and for the better. For example, Tobit. If you look in the life of Tobit, he used to be a very, he's a, he was a very charitable man. And while he was doing charity, he was sitting down and a bird came and dropped in his eyes and he thought he was going to die. He went blind, so he thought he was going to die. So he came and told his son, okay, be careful, take care of your mom and so and so. Then as we know, he sent his son to go off and find and get some uh, money that he left for someone. And Archangel Raphael accompanied him on his journey. And while he was on his journey, he found the remedy to heal his father. So when he came back, he said, Father, I found this remedy, and he put it on his eye, and his father was healed. So his father thought initially that he was dead. right? So this hardship and he made a positive impact on him. It changed him from having this outlook of death in his life to now having an outlook of life. Sometimes, you know, going through a hardship, the fact that, okay, we look at this hardship and say, how could anyone go through this? But then we see them go through this and they're still, you know, faithful and they're still alive and they're still, you know, pushing and they still love God. And we see this movement from death to life because of the hardship. Sometimes our hardships are permitted so that our faith will strengthen. Listen to what St. Paul says to Corinthians about this hardships. And of course, he faced so much hardships. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing because of his weakness and the persecution that was happening against him. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So how do you look at this affliction that you're experiencing, St. Paul? He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us uh, a far more exceedingly and eternal weight of glory. So he looks at all the hardships, the beatings, the imprisonments, the whippings, all of these things. He looks at a, a light affliction. I think a light affliction to many of us is having our finger pricked with a needle. This is a light affliction. But what he would go through, we would say this is a catastrophe, right? But he looked at this and says, in comparison to the glory that's to come, this is a light affliction. A light affliction. Very something, uh, something very small. Another movement of faith is our response to our prayers. This is very important as we develop and grow in our spiritual life. If we think about how often we prayed to God for something and He answered our prayers, often we sometimes we like to remember what it is that He didn't give to us when we prayed. But if we think about the many gifts that many times He responded to our prayers and gave us what we asked for in prayer, this would be so many. And these responses are movements of faith in our life. He wants you to experience Him. 
And sometimes he may not even agree with the request that you're requesting, but he gives it to you anyway simply because he wants to engage in this dance with you. He wants to have this movement of faith. He says, maybe if I ruffle and have this movement in their life, perhaps they will continue to uh, love and grow towards me. So he continues and he answers our prayers. If you remember Hannah, the mother of Samuel, she didn't have any children, she was barren. She went to pray. And while she was praying in the temple, the priest even gave her a hard time and thought that she was drunk. And she said, no, I'm just, you know, have an anguished heart, heavy heart. So she continued her prayer, and after her prayer she left, and she was happy. She ate and she drank, and everything was great. She didn't hear a response from God saying that she's going to have a child. Simply going before Him was enough for her. And then granted, later God granted her a son who would be the prophet Samuel. So there was a movement of faith. She asked and he granted. How many times have we asked and God has granted us? Prayer is a means of communion with God. Our ears will be tuned to how uh, he communicates with you uh, through prayer. And this way that he communicates is different for everyone. It's not the same for everyone. It's very personal and individual. Like, like the beautiful thing about when we pray is that when we stand to pray, we feel and we know that, you know, God is listening to us as if we're the only person in the world. Everything else is closed. Nobody matters except me and God, and He pays particular attention to me and me alone. This sense of individuality, and only God can do this, of course. We can't have two or three conversations at the same time in person. Perhaps on text message you can, but not in person. The last movement is perhaps maybe not classified as a movement, but it's a movement, you know, all the more, is his absence in the movement of faith. Just like sometimes parents, when they withdraw from their children as they're trying to learn to walk, perhaps it may not seem like a movement for the child, but it's a movement in their for their growth. When you teach a child how to walk, you hold their hand and you go with them. And as they begin to walk, you let go and stand in front of them. And as they approach you, you kind of step backward, right? Or when you're teaching a child how to ride a bike, you hold in the back, and as they start pedaling, you go with them. And they're looking forward, they're pedaling along. And then all of a sudden, you let go, and they keep pedaling. And they're doing great, thinking you're holding on. Then to to their dismay, they look back, and you're several you know feet back. And then they get scared, and perhaps they fall. But when they fall and they get back up, they have that confidence. You know what? I can ride my bike on my own. And they get that confidence and they go and they can continue. So sometimes this absence of God is a movement of faith in our life. And it certainly was for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They asked for a child when they were young. And then perhaps when they were old, they, they stopped asking. It was, too, it was halas, it's too late. We're past the age of having children. But then God answered their prayer many, many years later in their old age and gave them John the Baptist. Perhaps if he gave them another child when they were young, we would not know about him. But because this delay, or because this, you know, God responded to them in this way, they were given the, uh, John the Baptist as a gift, um, not only to them, but also to all of humanity. Despite God's silence in their life, for those few, for those many years, most of their life, what did scripture say about them? during this time where they perhaps felt of God's absence. It says, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. 
So they responded to this in faith. They responded to God's silence and His absence in faith. They said, we trust that God is silent for a reason. He's absent for a reason. But they continued to be righteous and blameless before God, even when they felt perhaps at times that He was absent. Our faith, my beloved, is a live faith. It's fluid. It's dynamic. Our uh, life is filled with moments, with movements of God awaiting for our response. Whether it's the gift He gives us, the invitations He invites us with, the trials or hardships we experience, or the response to our many prayers that He grants us, or perhaps even in His absence. He wants our response from us. He's moving towards us, and He wants us to move back towards Him. And this is how our faith and our love for Him grow. May God grant us during this time of fasting to be sensitive to the movements of God in our life that we might respond accordingly. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.